Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. The Nismo Countdown to Green on RadioLeMans.com with Nismo. Eat, sleep, race, repeat. Eat, sleep, race, repeat. How are we going to do it now? Chip, 2015 from RadioLeMond.com. It's Johnny Palmer and in a moment Bruce Jones and Paul Trustwell. We look forward to round two at Spa-Francorchamps after a fascinating six hours of Silverstone. The lead two cars, remember, separated by less than five seconds at the end of that race. Very different track, this one. Undulating, long straights, but also tight and twisty corners as well. How's it going to go? The only way to find out is to stay with RadioLeMond.com. So, we will take you through in a moment how qualifying unfolded yesterday, but uh, I'm still, to be honest, Bruce Jones, digesting the six hours of Silverstone, which was only a few, a few weeks ago, and so much happened during that race. Um, I need a bit of a sit-down after that, and already we're into the second round. I know, it's absolutely been astonishing, that race. It, you wouldn't just need to watch it again. You need to watch it again in slow motion, because we don't all have brains the size of Paul Trustwell's for analysing <laughs> a race. But one thing I can tell you is people I didn't know were even interested in uh, the World Endurance Championship. They're all single-seater fans, have been talking about it ever since. And I think there's a huge buzz that will be carried through this championship. Of course, we're still getting our minds around the, the, the mega-dual system, I suppose, and how Porsche have changed for 2015. Something that fascinated me was their pace in the early part of the Silverstone race, but they couldn't necessarily maintain that with their lithium-ion battery on board. The more mechanical nature of the flywheel that be, that's in the Audi, of course, maintained their pace throughout the race. But that battle that we saw whereby the Porsche was super quick on the straights, the Audi was quick through the twisty stuff, uh, was uh, something to behold and kept us guessing throughout. Oh, I mean, it was absolutely made for television and even more so it was made for the, for the fans who were lucky enough to be standing at the exit of Aintree just to watch um, <laughs> Neil Yardy. It was as though he'd just arrived from Santa Pod, the acceleration of his Porsche. So don't forget, of course, Mark Webber, before problems early in the race, was pulling away for us, for the fans. It yeah. was fantastic that that car was hauled back into the pack. And to look at those three marks with Toyota in the mix as well, speed-wise, pretty much entirely there. The chopping and changing just around the course of one lap, let alone around six hours, and to go all the way to the finish. It was a grandstand finish, nothing artificial about it. And it was the biggest boost in the arm this championship has probably had in, oh, a good decade. Yeah. Absolutely, and of course an awful lot of strategy involved as far as Audi were concerned because they needed to get a quick driver on board their car as soon as they could to try and get him into free air. And I remember that uh, the overtake that Andre Lotter had to make on the Porsche was crucial to that victory, but also we should mention Lena Gade, who was the mastermind of that whole situation, which gave Audi uh, the first win of the World Endurance Championship for this season. It could so easily have been a fumble, literally a few seconds either way, but... Andre Lotterer, I mean, he just gets better and better. And then on his weekends off, he pops over to Japan and wins a Super Formula race there <laughs> and flies back. Who needs jet lag? I mean, his last couple of seasons have just been absolutely electric. And uh, a circuit like Spa, not a bad place for him to go and show his skills yet again. But I tell you, one of the most exciting things for me this weekend is the WEC de- debut of another German driver, Nico Hülkenberg. He's a guy I've watched right from his early days, and I thought he was magical back then. He's continued. He's still yet to get a really tip-top car in Formula 1, but uh, I think he's a brilliant addition to the championship, and I think um, so far, just with practice and qualifying, he's already shown that that toe is well and truly dipped in the water. 
You talk, of course, of a third Porsche 919 hybrid that we uh, are lucky enough to have here at Spa-Francorchamps and also three Audis, uh, the R18 e-tron Quattro, uh, three of those in the field, just the two Toyotas and then the Team by Colors CLM P1-01, which will complete a nine-car field for the P1 class. So it's Johnny Palmer and Bruce Jones to take you through the race, along with a third voice, and we'll introduce Paul Truswell at this point. Paul, we missed you at Silverstone, but great to have you on board for this round in Belgium. It, it, yeah, I missed you as well. It was, uh, I tell you, I was in, in two minds. In one mind, I was very relaxed after a great holiday. In the other hand, I was very frustrated that I couldn't be there and, and witness what, um, you know, really has been one of the uh, the endurance championships to uh, to savour for, for months and months to come. But having put that behind me, I've uh, I've actually had a few days in Spa because I was there earlier in the week. So um, I've I've seen some cars. Um, I've stood at Eau Rouge. I've marvelled at how these cars go through that phenomenal bit of the track. And I've stood on the Kemmel Straight and watched them go up there as well. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to this afternoon, six hours, because it will be a, another classic race. I'm quite sure of that. But I think it will be different, and that's the other thing. Best thing about this kind of racing is that it always serves up something a little bit different. So uh, I'm in, I'm intrigued to see how this one pans out. Yeah, there's uh, certainly a great deal of unknowns as as there were going into Silverstone, and uh, we fancy that Toyota should be a little bit stronger this time because what they do have on around this circuit is the hard braking that their supercapacitor requires to get the power in and then out again to drive. What is it? What a thousand horsepower car out of those uh, tighter corners, Bruce? Yeah, but sadly for every uh, advance they've made, they had that terrible setback a couple of days ago with uh, Kazuki Nakajima un- unsighted and uh, going up to the back of the track, up to uh, Lecombe, hit the back of Oliver Jarvis's uh, Audi mm. and has fractured some vertebrae in his back. And there's talk of him uh, missing Le Mans as well. But let's not uh, get ahead of ourselves in terms of that. He's missing this weekend, which certainly puts a bit more of a load on an admittedly very, very. Um, capable duo who showed it at the end of last season in Anthony Davidson and Sebastian Buemi, the world champions, but uh, it's removed a bit of the leeway they had in terms of uh, drivers. Paul, what what do you think uh, Toyota can offer this weekend? I think Anthony Davidson said in an interview after Silverstone that he wasn't duly worried about uh, the lack of pace in in the UK. No, I mean, it's a funny thing. I mean, they, 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 they certainly do lack a bit of pace, but then they were less than 15 seconds behind winning that um, that race at Silverstone. And, you know, you, you can't be lacking too much pace if over six hours you're only 15 seconds behind. Um, so in race pace terms, they're in good shape. Uh, as far as Kaz Nakajima lacking from the team here at Spa, it doesn't make a difference, I don't think. They won't, they'll hardly notice, I'll say they'll hardly notice he's not there. Uh, Anthony Davidson and Sebastian Buemi, in some ways, are quite used to driving as a pair because, of course, they raced for the last few races of uh, last season's WEC uh, as a two-driver team. So uh, in terms of their um, effort here at Spa, I don't think it'll make a massive difference to their um, to their uh, strategy, the way that they'll approach the race, uh, just having the two of them. Um, it, it will be interesting to see how quick or how slow the Toyota is because I think they are going to have to rely on the longer... Uh, a longer approach, the longer view, uh, getting the strategy right. Uh, it is 
very much a, uh, a track of three sectors. The first and the third sectors are very much Porsche territory. The second sector is very much Audi territory. So you'll look at sector times, and um, I can almost predict it in advance that you'll see Porsche's fastest in sector one and sector three, uh, and then sector two, which is the bit from Lecume uh, round to Stavelo. That's the the kind of twisty new bit of the uh, Spa Frank. I say new newer part of the circuit um which kind of goes through the valley um that's more audi territory so that's where you'll be seeing the audi quickest now what toyota is going to have to do is to not worry about being quickest in any one particular sector but just be able to keep themselves there or thereabouts around the full lap we perhaps uh, we haven't mentioned about qualifying but perhaps shouldn't be surprised to see three porsches at the sharp end of the field it'll be the uh, mark weber Brendan Hartley, Timo Bernhardt combination to start from pole position after their uh, average lap time of 1 minute 54.767 seconds. But they are joined right behind by or alongside for the rolling start ahead of the six hours of Spa by the new car. And uh, Bruce mentioned about Nico Hulkenberg, Earl Bamba and Nick Tandy. That is the team that will also be seen at Le Mans for the third Porsche 919 hybrid, but they are the, the meat in the sandwich between the two regulars because it's then Roman Dumas, uh, Neil Yarny and Mark Lieb in the third Porsche tucked in behind on the second row. Before we see two Audis and then two Toyotas, the third of the Audis, by the way, has qualified in eighth position and then in ninth place, the last of the P1 cars, which is the CLM. We'll touch on P2 in a moment or two, but no surprises there, Bruce, because Porsche's... Uh, single lap pace we knew was going to be uh, something really to, to fight for this year and uh, they, they were been so dominant over the winter period and the, and the prelude as well no exactly as expected of course Audi this weekend uh, just been seen on screen some uh, the, the new uh, bodywork the, the, and the long longer tail for Le Mans so they're, they're obviously at a circuit light spa you know less downforce is is required and uh, they're, they're they're all working towards the big one aren't they we had that uh, a fabulous opening round at Silverstone. We've come here. This is a chance for them to stretch their legs, bed themselves in a bit more. And I think it's great seeing these extra crews. And I'm particularly excited about the Hulkenberg, uh, Bamba and Nick Tandy, uh, number 19 Porsche. It's great to see all those guys getting a shot in LMP1. And I think and for Hulkenberg in particular, it's, it's a chance to just do something new and different. Go on, Paul. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in on that one. I mean, Bruce was talking about these uh, the, the two Le Mans chassis that Audi has uh, brought along to Spa. Um, the number seven and the number eight. What they've done in the past is that they've had the um, the third car running the Le Mans configuration. Uh, so this is a bit of a, a new thing for them this year, running the... Um, the one and the two cars, or the seven and the eight cars, as we have to call them, uh, as Le Mans configuration. Um, and it's the number nine car, which is the um, higher downforce car, the, the more traditional one, the same configuration as it was run at Silverstone. Um, most of the differences around the front end, as far as I can work out, uh, having spent a long time studying them and talking to various people from Audi about them during the week, um, the differences are all around the front end when you're... And, to be honest, if you're looking from the side, it's actually quite diff difficult to see uh, any difference at all because the rear end is no longer, in my view. I mean, it's a tiny bit longer, but certainly to the, to, to the eye, it doesn't look very much longer. Um, and the rear wing is no lower um, because what they've done on the high downforce car is to set the rear wing quite low for spa. So there's no real difference in terms of the height of the rear wing. Um, but what the... Um, Le Mans chassis does is take a lot more air through, there's a lot of gaps uh, we'll see on the pictures, there's a lot more gaps on the front of the car uh, which is taking the air into the chassis 
uh, or sort of, yeah, into the chassis through the bodywork. Uh, and then at the rear of the car, the big difference is if you're looking down on the top of the car, instead of seeing the wheels through the holes in the top of the wheel arches, those holes aren't in the top of the wheel arch. They're on the inside of the vertical part of the um, wheel cover, if you see what I mean. Um, and the air that comes in through the front is coming out there. Uh, and that's where the clever stuff that's going on with the aerodynamics on that Audi is happening, is in the airflow through the car um, and in trying to reduce drag, but at the same time give enough downforce. So it's a, it's a, it's a bit of a balance to get. But uh, as I say, with, with those Audis, you'll, you'll notice the difference most um, clearly by looking at the front of the car because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot more gaps in the car there. Interesting that you mentioned about the, the airflow. That's something I'm going to have to really uh, kind of get on top of, I suppose, before Le Mans because I did notice that on some cars the the hole on the top of the wheel isn't necessarily there, and I always thought that was part of the the regulations. But obviously, no. you can you can insert a hole elsewhere on the wheel arch. Exactly. So the uh, the regulation says that the hole has to be in the wheel arch. I see. Um, and initially, um, yes, the gap was made on the top, and then some teams discovered that by making it on the side um, and fairing in the top, you get a much better flow of air across the top of the car. Um, and uh, particularly when you're talking about straight line speed, um, any holes on the top of the car slow down the air, create drag, um, and reduce top speed. Just before we uh, head away from P1 and to the other cars in the field, just to mention for the team by Collis uh, CLM machine, uh, what do we expect from that this weekend? It had a, it had a tough uh, opening round at Silverstone. Um, is that just going to be an also ran? I think if that it, right. Okay, so we we we're not not necessarily looking to uh, for that to make an impact on this race. Um, no. Well, they brought I mean, a host they... of new bits, but they need to bring hosts of hosts of new bits, wouldn't yes. they, really? Well, there's they so need... much ground to make up, I suppose. They need reliability more than anything else, Johnny, and uh, I think what they need to do is to get that car to run to the finish, and by getting it to run to the finish, they'll collect enough data that yes. they can then start working out how to make it go quicker. Yeah, a fair point. OK, let's move on to P2 then. This is the uh, countdown to green, by the way, ahead of round two of the 2015 World Endurance Championship. Paul Truswell, the voice you just heard, Bruce Jones to my right, and myself, Johnny Palmer, taking you through uh, the runners and riders ahead of the six hours of Spa. And P2, uh, again, great qualifying for G-Drive Racing, in particularly the number 26 car, which has taken pole position. So that will start 10th on the overall grid. Sam Bird to start the car, and they're continuing, really, where they left off at Silverstone. Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, not only the cars look very quick standing still. I just love their, I love their livery. Um, but just so strong on the track. And I, th- I think, as you say, Sam starting that car, he's going to really try and lay it down. But, of course, he's got a slight advantage in that the car that qualified second in LMP2 is starting from the pit lane with a 30-second penalty to add to its times. That's the KCMG Orica, very beautiful Orica 05 Coupe. Tell us the problem. It's a ride height issue, to my knowledge. And um, this is something that presumably was discovered during qualifying, was it? Or was it during... Uh- Sorry, go on, Paul. I, yeah, yeah, I can add something. It's it's the uh, underbody, the floor, um, or basically the. It's it's rather disparagingly called the plank. There is this ah. uh, area of the floor which has to be a little bit lower than the rest of the floor, um, so it's not a complete flat bottom. Um, now, what teams have discovered is that that um, 
floor gets damaged quite easily when drivers drive over curbs and various bumps and things so what they do is they make it slightly flexible so that when you drive over a curb it doesn't break or shatter the um, plank but it it bends a little bit Um, and that car's plank has been too bendy in effect so it it was flexing too much so the, the team was trying to avoid having the thing breaking and having them given uh, being given a penalty for um wearing it away um but by doing that they've fallen foul of another part of the regulations which prevent which as i say um is to do with the flexibility of the uh, of the floor so they'll be providing a little story within the overall story as they charge up from the back back of the field in the opening few laps and such is the performance uh, characteristics that they should pick their way fairly early on but up the order yes. but for them to go from second place in class to the tail is is a big disaster but then that promotes those behind and it's uh, good to see moran racing uh, taking part this weekend they'll be starting mm. effectively second in class with uh, oliver webb who was champing at the bit at silverstone i thought he was going to wrestle people out of the way and get into their cars even if he wasn't with their team he was so desperate to go racing he's starting the race sharing with uh pierre rag and zoel amberg so they'll be starting from 11th on the grid second in lmp2 Paul? Sorry, just, yeah, just want to go back to KCMG for a moment because their problem is not just starting from the pit lane, uh, but also they'll have to serve a 30-second penalty. Um, so uh, overall in six hours, it won't be a massive difference, but um, it will put them on the back foot very much. So there's a 30-second penalty as well for the uh, KCMG team to serve. Uh, so it's G-Drive on pole position, as we've mentioned. And uh, also, as Bruce has said, great to see Team Sarbarand here and uh, partaking in the World Endurance Championship. We expected them at Silverstone, but uh, sadly they weren't there due to, well, various issues, more sort of uh, backstage problems rather than anything to do with uh, the car itself. Uh, The other G-Drive car, and Pippa Durrani will pilot the number 28 car, will start in third position in P2. And then Jota Sport, who aren't... Uh, regulars in the World Endurance Championship. They're doing the concentrating mainly on the European Le Mans series, of course, uh, which we'll be following once again here on RadioLeMans.com. But uh, the Jota Sport car making a guest appearance, as it did last year, and after a really strong Silverstone, that car could do pretty well in number 38. Yes, and for those who are just paying attention for the first time this year, a Gibson. What is that, you may ask? Of course, it's a Zytec rebranded as a Gibson, and they were right at the sharp end, two of them fighting for honours, and one of them, uh, the Greaves Motorsport entry, took the honours at Silverstone in the ELMS race. But uh, an interesting feature in that car, it's great to have Harry Tinknell on loan until he Mm. uh, turns up for the Works Nissan team at Le Mans. He's back with the squad, did such great things with them last year with Simon Dolan, but a Kiwi alongside Mitch Evans, or Mitchell, as they put him down on the entry list, such a star in in GP2 over the past few seasons. I think uh, watch that driver. So that's the 38 car, which will start in 13th position alongside the Sinutech Alpine car number 36 of Nelson Panciatici. They won the European Le Mans Series last year and make the step up to the World Endurance Championship for 2015. Great to have those that, all that team on board. And then the ESM cars uh, will start 15th and 17th respectively, the 30 car ahead of the 31 car. And there were problems post-Silverstone race for ESM. And this is, again, relating to the plank, I believe, underneath the car, which was too much, uh, was worn away too much. They were running the car so low to try and make it competitive. This is on the old HPD. But they make the change to Ligier. So, obviously, really exciting move to this uh, new car, but uh, with the slight cloud that they've t- they had the Silverstone result taken away from them. 
yeah, and just settling into driving these Ligiers. I must say, I, I, I just adore the look of the uh, G-Drive racing ones, but the extreme speed motorsport cars just look fabulous. They're, they're matte black with the ultra-bright green mm. sort of splayed from the front backwards down the car. And I think they look magnificent. So they've done a decent job, but they just want to get race mileage this weekend to just pound round and round. So again, Paul, is that for, for ESM just race finishes will be an achievement? Um, yes, I think so at the moment. I mean, they've, they've done a remarkable job because they've raced in three different um, major races this year with three completely different chassis. They've had the 8VD, they've had the... Um, the Ligier, as they now have, uh, and then they ran the older car as well, didn't they, at um, at Sebring? So they've they've had a phenomenal amount of learning to do. And um, talk about variety being the spice of life. Uh, yeah, I think their their task is going to be get to get out there, uh, get miles. I mean. <laughs> Endurance racing is all about just pounding round and round and round, and we've kind of moved forward over the years to where we expect uh, it to be a close nose-to-tail type race at the front of the field, where losing a, a half a second a lap can make a massive difference. But uh, it's not quite so true in P2, so um, you know there's all sorts of things that are still possible. You better get that phone in the I background. Heard, I? I think I'll turn it off. The, <laughs> the Stracker Racing Dome, the S103, is new for 2015. We expected that during uh, the sort of middle part of last year, really, but had to wait all the way through to the first round of this year to see it. Uh, it's the first time Stracker have competed in LMP2, having done most of their racing in LMP1. But they, they, I think they were probably pleased with their Silverstone efforts. Uh, the 42 car brand new and needing to get race mileage and clearly a very strong driver lineup which hasn't changed for a number of seasons now johnny kane nick leventis and danny watson to start the race by the way it's johnny it, it, it's johnny yeah from uh, 16th position um yeah i mean i think they had a few, a few sort of niggly little things through through the silverson weekend that sort of pegged them back a bit in lmp2 but i th- <laughs> I think it was almost like getting the team back up to speed after a season where you don't have the ultimate element, which is the racing. Yeah, I think it possibly bluntens your edges a bit. And eighteen I think months out, it's an awfully long time. I was just doing some records the other day, and I put, oh, what did they do last? Oh, a grief! Of course, all of last year on the sidelines. Mm. So hopefully they're back in the groove. It is a very good lineup with, uh, particularly um, Johnny Kane and, and Danny Watts. But Johnny, is, he, he likes to take the start of the race. So let's see how he can do. But he's uh, stuck there. Between the two HP, uh, the two uh, Honda-powered uh, Ligiers of Extreme Speed Motorsport, and then we get back to the next class, 18th place on the grid, and Aston Martin have taken pole in GTE Pro. That's right. After uh, the well, A of course have of course been dominant within that class over the last couple of seasons in the World Endurance Championship, but Aston Martin seemed to have some good uh, single lap pace uh, at least from the opening exchanges of this season. And the 99 Aston will start from pole position, 18th position in the overall standings. Fernando Reese then starting that number 99 car, but the 51 Ferrari not too far away, starting second in class, ahead of another Aston number 97, Stefan Mucker, in his vantage. Are we expecting Ferraris to come really good during the race? Well, you know, I was really confused at Silverstone. The first... Uh third of the race it was all Aston Martin looking in control then yellow flag uh, you know caution periods and stuff they seemed to lose out but the Ferrari we kept saying when are they going to start delivering they they were consistent but consistently not terribly fast Mm. but the race came to them and they got faster and faster Um, and I found it very hard to call because seriously we saw them through practice and qualifying at Silverson and it was all Aston Martin 
and in the first part of the race they suggested they had race pace too but um i'd have to say that the pendulum very much swung to ferrari during the course of that race porsche showed in flashes but uh, never the ultimate pace but the ferrari just came better and better so let's see what happens in chapter two here at spa yeah, Porsche are due a good season, really, run by Team Mantai, which is a, effectively a works team, and they will start the 91 and 92 cars that's from 23rd and 24th positions. Sixth so and seventh in class, so there are yeah. three Aston Martins and two Ferraris, in other words, all of them, in class ahead of them. And right. uh, their times are another second or so back from that pace, second and a half, but uh, maybe they're just uh, not getting the best out of their tyres over one lap. We will be able to see... Sky, bits of blue sky. It's quite bright at Spa. Um, <laughs> but as we know, point the camera the opposite direction, hmm. you often get a different story. Thoughts on uh, on the GTE Pro class, Paul? Um, it'll be exciting. It always is. Yeah. Um, Aston Martin have, let's say, made a habit of losing. They've Put it this way, they've got out of the winning habit somehow, and I think they need to sort that before Le Mans. And so I think they'll be focusing very hard indeed on getting uh, their cars um, successfully to the finish and keep them keep them very rapid indeed. Um, the uh, cars slightly different from the way they were configured at Silverstone. Um, you were at Silverstone. I think it was the 95, 98 98 car, wasn't it, that was uh, in the orange colours at uh, It was 97, it was the Mucha Turner car. Right. And well, it's, it's now become 99, I believe. It's the 99 car uh, at Spa. So, um, the red and yellow one. They have to... Uh, uh, I mean, and it's not just the car, but all the mechanics have to get dressed in their right overalls. So it's kind of uh, look in the wardrobe and decide which, which overalls you're going to wear. Um, but, uh, no, I'd like to see the Aston Martins... Um, Delivering on their promise, I think, is the best way to describe it, because um, I think they, in in some ways they've uh, they've failed to do that um, back end of last season and also um, it, at Silverstone. So, uh, um, you know, the race is theirs for the taking, really. I think at the way so I'd, the way I'd put it. And with three cars, of course, so they do have an advantage in terms of numbers over just two Ferraris from AF Corsa, 51 and 71. Jimmy Bruni to start the 51, by the way, and Davide Rigon in the 71 Ferrari. And for fans of the Dane train, there's an imposter in there, Johnny Adam, who I don't think comes from Denmark, comes from Scotland, taken over from Nicky Team, who is otherwise involved this weekend. So Christopher Nygaard and the start driver Marco Sorensen there in 95. It's the semi-Dane train. Yes, the idea is for it to be Danish. I think the idea is for Johnny Adam not to drive it. Um, but Christopher Nygaard has tweaked his back, uh, I discovered when uh, um, I was actually there earlier in the week, and he wasn't quite sure how uh, good his back was going to be for the um, for the race. So um, Johnny Adam's kind of standing by as a, an extra driver if Christopher Nygaard proves that um, you know his, his back's not quite up to it. Very experienced, of course, Johnny Adam, uh, driving an Aston Martin, but more a GT3 car rather than a, uh, a purebred a GTE Pro machine. But I'm sure he'll have no problem at all stepping up to the car uh, without traction control and ABS as a GT3 machine has. And uh, let's move back to the GTE AM division then, because taking pole position in that class, the 98 car, we haven't actually mentioned the 35 Oak Racing P2 machine, which is a little bit of a fly in the ointment in amongst the uh, GT cars at the back of the field. That's qualified in 25th position. There is, by the way, the uh, 
echelon start which has been adopted for this season of the World Endurance Championship. Le Mans style start where they're all uh, lined up along the grid but with the tails to the wall at almost 45 degrees and that's to kind of emulate the, the classic Le Mans start where you had the drivers on the other side of the, of the other side of the track from the cars and they would run across of course clamber on board and then the race would start that uh, was track, track, stop, sorry go on yeah no just explaining why the tracks are so much wider these days that um, the fact of the matter is most of the drivers would be worn out by the time they get across the track in the old days so the tracks were a lot narrower so it wasn't quite as far to run I see <laughs> nothing to do with safety driver <laughs> Uh, and a good crowd, actually, in the main grandstand overlooking the pit straight uh, to see the cars now leave on their rolling lap. So they will head into the sharp hairpin to kick off the lap. And already then we're underway in terms of the preparation for this start. We'll have to whiz through the GTE AM division. But it is Aston who have taken pole position in the number 98 car within that class. And... In GTE AM, that was where Aston were very strong at Silverstone, Bruce. It, it was, it was indeed. They ran incredibly strongly there. But it's Dalla Lama, Lamy, and for those who haven't been paying attention, Matthias Lauda, famous name, come to join them. And uh, GTE AM was at one at Silverstone by, in fact, that very lineup, seventeenth overall. Um, so yeah, s- sitting in good position. They, they were running really strongly all race. They didn't sort of drop down the, the class order as did the uh, their pro sister cars. But they're, they're, they're qualified um, over a second clear of the Labra competition uh, Chevrolet. So looks good on power and uh, another half second and more back to the best of the Porsches. The number 88, uh, Christian Reed, Khalid Alcubaezi and Klaus Bachler entered car. That's number 88 starting in 28th on the grid. So it's Aston Martin, Chevrolet, Porsche and then Ferrari with another sort of imposter. AF Corsa have brought another car along for Duncan Cameron and, uh, and Matt Griffin joined this weekend by Alex Mortimer. Don't forget, uh, Johnny, we do have two formation laps, so uh, it's not going to be quite of a rush to get through all of the GT AM cars. OK, well, uh, just to mention then for the Lava Competition Corvette, which uh, is started by Paolo Roberti, but uh, is thoroughly entertaining if you're on the, the sidelines of the Spa-Francorchamps circuit because of its 5.5-litre V8, uh, because it, you could spot it coming with your eyes closed, and I found that at Silverstone. Uh, you can... You- you can feel it going past. Absolutely. Say, you your have your eyes and ears closed. It's, uh, <laughs> feel it in your shoes. Yeah, I mean, the Aston Martins make a pretty good rumble too, but I think the combination of standing along trackside at one of the greatest circuits in the world, Spa-Francorchamps, with these cars and with that wonderful rumble at the back, uh, along with the will-they-won't-they, they, who's going to come out on top in LMP1, I think sports car racing is going through a truly golden age at the moment. I think this is really just the start of it. It's the tip of what we're going to have. So a great mix of manufacturers at the sharp end of uh, GTE AM with uh, pole taken by Aston. Then you've got the, the Chevy Corvette, a Porsche and two Ferraris behind that run by AF Corsa. So many uh, interesting points then that we will keep our uh, eyes across throughout uh, the six hours of Spa Francorchamps. And uh, we will bring you every moment of it on RadioLamont.com. That pretty much brings to a close, though, the countdown to green. Join us for the race. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLamont.com.